This episode is sponsored by Hire.com. Hire.com is offering a new freelancing and contracting offering. They have multiple companies that will provide you with contract opportunities. They cover all the tracking, reporting, and billing for you. They handle all the collections and pre-fund your paycheck. They offer legal and accounting and tax support. And they'll give you $2,000 when you've been on a contract for 90 days. But with this link, they'll double it to $4,000 instead. Go sign up at Hire.com slash Freelancer Show. This episode is sponsored by Nerd.us. Do you wish that somebody else would handle all of those operation details when it comes to hosting your client's web applications? Nerd.us is a Ruby on Rails managed hosting designed to make your life easy. They migrate everything for you, and new signups or referrals come with a $100 discount or a referral fee. To sign up, go to freelancershow.com slash nerd. That's freelancershow.com slash N-I-R-D, and enter freelancer into the contact form for a discount. If you're someone who runs your own service-based business, then spending less time on pesky admin tasks means having more time to focus on your client's work, which is why you need to give FreshBooks a try. FreshBooks is the invoicing solution that makes it incredibly simple to create and send invoices, track your time, and manage your expenses. It allows you to quickly see and track the status of your invoices, expenses, and projects, and allows you to keep track of your expense receipts in FreshBooks. For your free 30-day trial, go to freshbooks.com slash freelancers and enter the Freelancer Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section when signing up. This week's episode of the Freelancer Show is brought to you by Earth Class Mail. Earth Class Mail moves your stale mail into the cloud, giving you instant access 24-7 and integrates with the tools and services you use every day. It's crazy that we've moved everything we do for the business over to the digital world, but still need to pick up, sort, and manage physical mail. With Earth Class Mail, you can get all of your mail scanned and accessible online 24-7. You can search your mail, send invoices over to your accounting software, sync important documents into cloud storage, deposit checks, and really just make running your business a whole lot easier. You also get real professional address to share publicly with customers, business partners, and investors. And you'll never need to worry about someone showing up at your door if you run your business from home. Visit freelancershow.com slash mail and you'll get your first month of service free when you sign up. That's freelancershow.com slash mail. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 184 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Reuven Lerner. Hey, everyone. Jonathan Stark. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And this week, we're going to be talking about goal setting. So do you guys have big plans for next year? I have plans. (laughs) 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 Well, you're one step ahead of most of the fact. Yeah. That's right. Next year, I'm going to grow up. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not my plan. (laughs) My long-term goal is to be able to run my entire business from just my phone. Oh, there you go. No computer. But that won't be 2016. So uh, this is a process that I tend to go through every year. And I'm curious, is this is this something that you do on a regular basis? Set goals or set uh, some kind of performance targets or things like that? I haven't uh, done it in a while. I haven't done it in too long. So when I first went out on my own, which was like 2006, so what's that, nine years ago, I guess, just coming up on the beginning of my 10th year, uh, I had some pretty clear goals because it was like, okay, I'm quitting my job. I need to be able to, you know, make X dollars and et cetera, et cetera, pay the mortgage and all that. And I think like probably like a lot of people who first make the jump, I got to a point of stability and then just kind of heads down did the work. And uh, then a few events kind of happened to me along the way where, you know, publishers approached me about writing books. And then I kind of leveled up my business accidentally as a result of of the books being well received. 
so, you know, and that, that actually covers quite a bit of years that, that little scenario I just painted. So this year by starting a new business, the coaching stuff, I, I am sort of back to that feeling of a fresh business and it's a little bit, feels a little bit easier to set goals for some reason. I don't know why, but, uh, that, uh, those are the goals I've set for 2016 is sort of like financial and client count goals, uh, product count goals and that sort of thing for, you know, to reach by the end of 2016. How about you, Ruben? So I've never really been that good at setting goals, uh, let, let alone sort of living up to them. But last year, strangely enough, around this time, my mastermind, on my mastermind, we all decided that we would set goals for 2015. And I think it was very useful because I see now where, you know, where things worked and where things didn't and what I need to concentrate on. And I think it's a very useful exercise. And so I have been thinking a bit about what to do in the coming year. But I definitely also think that to, to some degree, it's a luxury to be able to do that. And I, I don't say like people shouldn't set goals, you know, until they reach a certain point. But I feel like for a long time, my goal was just get enough work to pay all the bills mm-hmm. um, and make sure that like we're stable. And now, like I, mean, I mentioned uh, before in the podcast, like I'm doing mostly training and I've got training lined up like basically 10, 11 months in advance now. And so I feel like, wow, now I can sort of sit back and say, well, what do I want to do with the time that's remaining? Because I typically only teach about three, four days a week. And I feel like a sense of freedom that, wow, I can really sort of set the agenda of what I want to do and then follow up and try to improve on that each successive year. That's interesting. I kind of took a different approach and I'm, I'm going to be working through the, I, this is still a work in progress, but mostly what I did first was I just wrote down my long-term goals, sort of where I want to wind up. And those actually wound up being pretty general. So I have things in here like be able to retire when I decide I want to retire, you know, so I, I need to have enough in the bank or in retirement accounts to retire. I want to teach my kids to be entrepreneurs. I'd like to go to heaven. I mean, you know, so, so just some, some pretty general long-term way out there things, you know, I want to have a certain quality of life with my wife and kids and after watching my dad go through a lot of health problems, you know, he's he's had two hip surgeries. One of them went bad. He's got fibromyalgia, type 2 diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, which was caused by the diabetes. Uh, he had open heart surgery a week or so ago. Um, he's in kidney failure. And a lot of those stem from the, his, the way that he took care of himself. And I'm realizing that uh, I don't want that. I want something a little bit better. And so I, you know, I want to be that happy, active dad and eventually grandpa. And so, you know, looking at that, then I, I kind of broke it down and I said, okay, well, in order to be where I want to be, then where do I need to be in say five years? And so I, I said, okay, well, you know, in five years, I'd like to have paid off the house, be completely debt free. Um, you know, I'd like to be able to take the family on a vacation every year, take my wife on a vacation every year, you know, have the business making a certain amount of money uh, and be able to get off of all of my diabetes medicine. And, and so by kind of narrowing it down to five years, I moved on to one year and this is next year. Um, I've got pretty specific goals about, or at least targets, you know, things that I want to accomplish next year, such as I want to double the net income I get from my business. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean I have to double the gross income from the business, but, you know, it it may well mean that depending on how it affects the expenses that I have to put out in order to do that. You know, I want to launch a few new products. I have three as my number. I want to grow the email list for the podcast and other things to 40,000 subscribers. Um, I want to have an emergency fund in the bank. Uh, 
and I want to bring two new shows into devchat.tv that are not shows that I actually produce. And so I've got these specific business goals, and then I have other things for the family, such as, you know, spending time with the kids. And I have 30 minutes one-on-one time. So it's very specific every week. Take my wife out at least twice a month. I want to set up a podcast with my son and uh, produce at least 30 episodes next year. And I want to take my wife on a trip. You know, so I've got these these things that I'm working toward for the year, and then I've broken that down to 90-day goals. And, you know, so that gets much more specific. So I've got some email campaigns I'm going to put together to grow the email list and on and on and on. And then I review that every week and decide what the next couple of weeks worth of work will look like in order to get that done. So that was a long spiel. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm impressed. I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed. I'm like, you know, my goal is to get my mailing list up to 5,000 people, right? Not, (laughs) you know, you know, not in terms of, who and what and when, which I think is actually quite admirable because even though I might have a small number of, I think, specific goals, um, I'll go into them a little bit, like, I, I think you are describing a number of different kinds of goals. Some of them are um, sort of how much income you want. Some of them are how you want to, it's like, how do you want to get money? How do you want to spend money? And how do you want to spend time? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just thinking in terms of products and services and directions that I want to go in. Uh, yeah. And I, I think really that's like what you were saying is, is, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a replacement for what I've been thinking, but it's good food for thought and is no less important to aim for in terms of goal setting. Yeah. One of my mentors actually asked, what needs to happen by the end of next year in order for you not to be a failure? What one thing? And that really made me think, okay, I cause, cause I've got like, I don't know. If I look at like my 90 day list, I've probably got like 30 goals on here. And you know, it's, it's just a lot of things to do. And I'm trying to make sure that I get them all scheduled in, but I've also kind of focused in on, okay, what are the one or two things that I just, I absolutely have to do that I'm going to, you know, I'm really going to focus on getting done this year. And the one, I mean, after seeing my dad go through what he went through, you know, with the open heart surgery and everything else and falling down. And I mean, it, it, it was a week last week. I'll just tell you. You know, I had to take him to the doctor a couple of times because my mom couldn't, because she teaches school. And, uh, you know, just watching him kind of suffer through some of the things he has to suffer through to get well again. You know, I'm just, I mean, my big goal next year is to lose about 40 pounds and to get my diabetes fully under control. You know, to the point where I'm talking to my doctor about whether or not I can quit certain medications. And that's that's the big thing. And then if there's another big thing, it's growing that email list because I think that will cause a lot of these other things in the business to happen. And that those are the big ones. Those are the ones that I'm really focused on. The other ones are definitely things I want to happen, and I'm definitely going to work for them, but I'm prioritizing the things that get me to those other goals. Right, and do you find that having set those sort of lofty goals, let's call them, uh, helps you... Since you've done it, which sounds like it was relatively recently, have you found that it helps you prioritize the other things instead of it just feeling like this giant hive of bees flying around your head of things you probably should do? So that's that's kind of the other end, I think, in the way that you manage your execution. So I don't look at these lists every day. The list that I'm looking at every day, I look at the, I look at at least the 90 day every week. You know, because those are the things that I need to get done. And then every month I make sure I look at the year's goals and make sure I'm still on track. But the 90 day goals kind of help me with some of that stuff because it's like, okay, how am I doing with this? Well, 
you know, I, I didn't spend time with the kids last week, so I need to spend more time with them this week, you know, or whatever. And so I schedule it in. But what I've been doing is I look at the 90 day goals and then I, I've split my time up into sprints. So I've got two week sprints. This week's, this one's a three week sprint because I wanted to start the next sprint on the new year and there are holidays in the middle of the sprint. And that's a development term if you're not familiar with it, but it, it's essentially a time period in which you get a certain amount of work done. And so this current sprint, you know, I'm working on getting some email sequences together and things like that, but I've actually put some of these other things into my schedule. So I've got the 30 minutes with each child that I'm planning on spending. I haven't been deliberate about scheduling it in this week because Christmas. And so I figure I'll just make sure that I get 30 minutes sometime on the 25th or 26th with each kid. But you know, if they've been good. What was that? If they've been good. If they've been good. That's right. Otherwise you just get a lump of coal. <laughs> Um, but, but, you know, so I'm, I'm scheduling time to take my wife out. I'm scheduling time to uh, spend working on the podcast that my son and I are going to do together. And so I put it into my calendar and that way I know that it's going to happen because I will stick to my calendar. So that's interesting because, you know, it's easy for people to, I think it's easy if, you know, if people are listening to this, they say, oh, I should do that too. And they could sit down and make a list, uh, as long as my arm of stuff that they want to achieve. And let's even say that they know how to get from point A where they currently are to point B, which is their goal. You know, presumably everybody's busy. They feel like they're already maxed out time wise. So it's implied, I think, in what you're saying that you're cutting out other stuff. So, yeah. I mean, what are we talking about? Showers here or are we talking <laughs> about, you know, Facebook? Yeah. So some of it's Facebook and some of it's. Um, I spent a lot of time playing games on my phone and I found that I do that a whole lot less because I'm moving from one task to the next from my calendar, but that's, it's, it hasn't been deliberate like, Oh, I'm going to quit playing around on my phone. Instead, it's been more deliberate about this half hour is dedicated to doing this job. And by doing that and then having the next half hour scheduled for the next job, you know, and I schedule in lunch and I schedule in my workouts and I schedule in all the other stuff. Um, but by having that, then I just, I, I'm able to prioritize the things that I need to get done or want to get done because I'm basically giving them a time slot and dedicating that time to it. And, you know, I just have to deal with the fact that I'm not going to be able to get the other stuff done. So I'm forced to prioritize. And if something important comes up, I shift my day the next day and I, I don't feel terrible about that. You know, so for example, on Thursday, I had three or four different things I needed to do. And my dad called me up and said, I need to go to dialysis and I need somebody to pick me up when I'm done. And for me, that's an hour on the road, driving over to the doctor's office, picking him up, driving him home and then driving back here. And so I just moved those two things up to the next available spots, moved the stuff out of those spots over and whatever fell off, fell off. And I was just forced to prioritize it that way. But the nice thing was, was that then at the end of the day, because my, you know, I schedule the time out till 6 p.m. At 6 p.m., I'm done. I go and I hang out with my family. And then I don't worry about it because I've done everything I can up to that point to meet, meet each of these goals. Yeah, I'm a big fan of scheduling stuff into my calendar. Um, I think it's, I think it's the difference between getting stuff done and, and, and having a to-do list that just turns into a giant attic, you know, like a garage yeah. full of junk. 
that you just, you know, you sit down, you read through this giant list of 50 things that are on your to-do list and you get to the bottom of it and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to do any of these things right now. I'll check Facebook or I'll do something that's not even on this list that maybe is beneficial, but I haven't explicitly mapped that out anywhere. And, and therefore you feel like a failure when you're done with it because you have really done nothing on your list. So I'm a huge fan of the, what's his name? David Allen getting things Mm -hmm. done and, and keeping a very short to do list and being honest with yourself. Like, look, if, if this thing on my to do list is longer, is older than a week, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm not. So I'll either put it in my calendar at, for like, you know, on a Wednesday at three o'clock, I'm going to do this thing or I'll just move it to my maybe someday list and where it dies. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I manage. I kind of manage a backlog. So I kind of dump all the stuff in there that I got to do and then I'll pull stuff out of it. And sometimes it's like, oh, I've got to get this other thing done and this other thing done. And so they kind of supersede whatever's in that list. But yeah, if it's not on my calendar, it's not going to happen. Right. I And to be realistic, for people who are listening to this, they're probably thinking, oh, well, as soon as I start to get off of that, I'll just start deleting things and I'll spend my whole day moving my calendar around. And to help hedge against that, I do this thing where on Thursdays I've got a block of four and a half hours that's just literally labeled catch up. And so it's 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 blocked out in my calendar so that I can't schedule something into it. But then it's like you described with having to drive your father. If something comes up, which things do then you've got this like I've got this four and a half hour block where anything that I didn't do on Wednesday that I was supposed to do, I can actually catch up with. And the only reason I didn't do it on Friday is because I have phone calls scheduled like morning till night on Friday. Otherwise, I would put it there. Yeah, I think that's where so, I would put something like that. It's Friday afternoon. It's, 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 it's embarrassing the degree to which you describe my to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> Although I feel better knowing that it's not just me. Because I say, oh, I really should do this. I really should do this. I really should do this. And I do go through and, and, and deal with the to-do list, but it's it's not nearly as organized or prioritized. I guess it is prioritized to some degree. But um, I, I think the key word that you used there was realistic. And I tend to be extremely unrealistic about how long things will take. I've gotten better over the years, but unrealistic. So I will say, oh, well, today I'll get these 10 things done. And any normal human looking at that would think that was like a sad joke that if I can get two of those done or three of those done, that'll be a tremendous day. And so I end up overscheduling and not sleeping and not seeing my, you know, my family as much as I want. And I think probably then actually the way of this conversation, I should probably set my number one goal to say, you know what? I've got enough work. I'm happy with it. I should get more sleep and I should see my family more as opposed to running, uh, uh, like the nonstop, you know, sort of work treadmill that I've been doing for so, so many years and which has become just sort of a norm. Yeah. The one thing that I would say related to that is you said that you have this list of things that you ought to do. And when I move things from my ought to do list to my going to do calendar and say, I'm going to do it, that that's when, that's when the magic happens. That's when I'm going to get it done. And, uh, it, it, the other thing is, is yeah, by putting it on this calendar, you are forced to prioritize it or you're forced to give an unrealistic expectation as to how long it's going to take. But I tend to put things in and give it a little bit of room so that I know that I can get it done in the time that I've allotted for it. And that way I can sit down and just knock it out. So you're saying something, you, you said something very interesting just here. Cause I, for instance, I have to call my bank about something and um, I mean, it's nothing urgent. I just need to do in the next four to five weeks. So I put it on my calendar for last week. Like I think it was last Wednesday, they call bank. 
mm-hmm. but I didn't set it for a particular time slot. I just put it on a day, boy, I should really call the bank. And so it sounds like what you're saying is the key to it is to say, okay, this is going to take half an hour. Let's assume worst case it'll take an hour. I should schedule for a particular, not just day, but a particular hour in which to do it. And that forces me that I'm prioritized because I can't do you know, more than one thing in that hour, two things in that hour. Yeah. The other thing is, is that with that, I had this, a similar thing where I had to call the insurance company and set up the automatic payments for my new insurance plan because thanks Obamacare. And anyway, so I, I call, I set that in my calendar for a half hour and it turned out to take half hour. But the thing I had right after it was something that I was completely comfortable moving into another spot the next day. And that, that worked out pretty nicely too. But if I hadn't put it in my calendar, I don't know when I would have gotten to it. And the thing is, is it's something that I knew I needed to got to, but I don't know if I would have remembered to do it. I set it in my calendar and I set a reminder. So I get a reminder on my phone. I get a reminder on my computer. I get a reminder on my iPad. I get a reminder on my watch. And so I don't miss it. There's something for me, there's a big psychological difference once you put something in the calendar at a specific time. It forces you to consider how long it's going to take you. Mm -hmm. And that makes all the difference for me. Yeah. Uh, and it, cause it, you, it's before I used to do, you know, prior to me doing this, I would keep stuff that I could do whenever, like call the bank about a non urgent thing. Mm-hmm. I basically, what would end up happening is I would put it in my to-do list, which is where I keep undated things. And I would never do it until it was urgent. So, you know, so typically what I do now is I'll take it, let's say, you know, there's a December 31st deadline for something. And that, you know, I put in a two, oh, sometime before the end of the year, I need to do this. Instead of that, I'll take it and put it right before the deadline so that it doesn't even come back up onto my radar until it's urgent. And, you know, not, not like I don't make it ridiculously 11th hour, but I'll say, you know, I'll put a, uh, let's just say it's some tax filing thing I have to do before the end of the year. I'll put that on, you know, the, the last Monday of December and then I'll put like a, a seven day you know, remind me seven days before this remind me, you know, and it's going to remind me every day leading up to that. And it just nags me, you know, it's like, it's like whatever your significant other nagging you to do this thing. Only it's worse because it's you. And you know, by the time it shows up, when you, if you haven't done it yet, then you're like, I am a loser if I don't do this right now. You know, it's like drop everything and do this because it's about to become an emergency or, you know, some fee from the government or whatever. So now I used to only put dated commitments in my calendar, but now I put, you know, basically I, I date my own commitments. That sounds weird. So what stuff that doesn't necessarily have a deadline, but I do want to get done, I make a promise to myself that I commit to do it on this particular time, date and time. You know, when I started doing this, actually, I started doing this when I signed up for Calendly which is a schedule, it's a piece of scheduling software. It's an on, you know, online software as a service thing that allows other people to pick a time in your calendar when they want to meet for like, you know, half an hour, an hour, an hour, whatever. And I realized that once I did that, that I, you know, there were a dozen, maybe a dozen people just filling up my calendar. You know, somebody would just, you know, somebody would email, Hey, I'd like to talk about coaching, be like, boom, here's a, here's a link, pick a time in my calendar. And if I didn't, And like people could leads, which are important things to follow up on, uh, would literally fill up my week. And I was like, I need to block out time for me to do stuff that's on my to do list. So that's when I blocked out a big chunk of Thursday as my catch up. I blocked out a big chunk of Wednesday for writing. And, you know, and I've got meetings all over the place. 
And once I did that, I noticed that I, I became a lot more effective. Yeah, I mean, I, I, for years, for too many years, I, I mean, I was doing sort of consulting and I was charging by the hour and so I'd say, well, I can do this, I can do this. I would sort of decide, I would, I would fill in some things, but if I wasn't going on site to work with a client, if it didn't seem that urgent, I would say, well, I'll just sort of find time to work on things. And I, I definitely think one of the benefits that I've had of switching to the training, which as I said before, is like a kind of productized consulting. So I know that those hours and days are scheduled and I always do full days. So like I know exactly what days are full. And so I know like I can't schedule other things on those days. Um, and that has definitely like, so this is like a, a step toward what you guys are describing. And I can already feel like in the last say six months of doing this, a tremendous relief because it means I'm not like wondering what I'm going to be doing that day. And I do have that sense of accomplishment. So now I guess the, the sort of the next step is to ratchet it down, make it more finely granular and do that same sort of thing for, um, non-training, non-day long things. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if the, sense of control and relief um, that you guys are describing will will actually happen too. Yeah, I can tell you that last week, I mean, with everything that went on with, uh, you know, with my dad and everything, it was just, I felt like I got more done last week than I otherwise could have. And it was just that sense of, you know, when, when I had to get stuff done, I got it done. And um, I tend to delete it off my calendar when I complete it. And that way I can go back through at the end of the week and move stuff to the next week if I didn't get to it. Uh, oh, that's funny. I, I was going to ask about how you, how you, cause there, the problem with the calendar, there are not a lot of to-do list features in a calendar. So, so how do you done something? What if you don't want to delete your history of things you did? Uh, so like I do this thing where I put in, I put the word done in front of the thing after I mm. did it so I can go back and look. I can do that. Yeah, but they're not. Most of them are not repeating events. Yeah. So. It's yeah, not a- if they're if they're repeating events, and even then, I just okay. Delete, you know, delete just this one. But yeah, I, I just delete them. <laughs> I don't have to think about them anymore. Yeah, it depends on the thing. Because here's my problem: is that I'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like, "Oh my god, did I call that guy back?" And I'll go in my calendar. There'll be no record of it. Uh huh. And I'll have. I just won't know. And it'll, I'll. It'll be terrible. It's terrible. It's like existential crisis. So I have to leave. There are certain things I find. Not, I never thought about it till now we're talking about it. But there are certain things that I leave in there as a marker that I completed it so I don't freak out. Yeah, that that's interesting for me. If it's not there, of course, then it's did it ever make it in? But I haven't run into that yet. But yeah, I, I've yeah, I, I just can't tout the benefits enough of putting it in a calendar. It just makes a ton of difference for me. So there's another big factor here that I think uh, has affected Chuck and I in terms of setting goals. You know, I, I started out at the beginning saying I haven't done a good job setting goals in the last couple of years. And the a major thing that changed for me was that I'm part of a really active mastermind now. And there are, you know, people will, it'll come up casually in general, like, oh, you know, I'm planning to do this next year, or, you know, or we just executed this awesome thing. The obvious next step, like, we'd be crazy if we didn't do this and this and this, or I'd be crazy if I didn't follow up with this and this. And so there are other, you know, being a solo consultant, I never have those kind of conversations, or I previously never had those kind of conversations. So it was never kind of like said out loud. So now that I'm saying, out, saying it out loud, 
And in fact, when people, you know, at the end of the year and the mastermind does basically what this, this show is about, like, okay, everybody, what are your goals for next year? What are our group goals for next year? Where do we want to see this mastermind go next year? It's, these are just more, more thinking about it. And, uh, it's, it lends just enough accountability to spur me to action. So if people are listening to this and they're a solo operator, some kind of lone wolf and they're thinking, man, this all sounds great, but I know I'll never stick to it. Then what you need is to apply a little bit of accountability. And that means having another person involved somehow. Yeah, that's true. Like it's, it's much easier to set goals for yourself than, you know, to, and, and not do them than set goals in front of other people. Yeah. My mastermind is going to be doing that. Uh, I think this coming week, we're going to be going over goals for the coming year. And part of the idea is also to hold everyone's feet to the fire and say, well, this is what you said last year. How are you going to make sure that this year's goals are a little more realistic and that you're going to achieve them? Yeah, totally. Cause you don't want to, you don't want to defeat the whole, you know, if you, if you end up just blowing them all, then it's mm-hmm. almost like negative. It has like this reverse effect where you, it, this downward spiral kind of thing. So keeping it realistic. And I, I think Chuck said, you know, this one thing, or actually everybody said it so far. It's like, it's like, look, what's the one thing that I need to get done today? I've got, I've got five things on my calendar for today. They're all important, but what's the one that I have to do? And that's, that's actually, I don't know where I, I don't know if that's a Merlin man thing or if it's a David Allen thing, but if you, if you look at your list of stuff to do for the day and you know, it's like, do the, do the most, do the, not the biggest one, but the most bang for the buck one first. And then no matter what happens, you've got that behind you. And it kind of creates this momentum into the other things. Cause I find my temptation is to do the small stuff because, Oh, this is easy. I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll do this. And you put off the big one. But uh, that rolls over and rolls over and rolls over and it creates more and more cognitive load on your, you know, just like emotional weight mm-hmm. and it drags you down. So, so, you know, in your, uh, Chuck, you said something about having that sort of a, a concept on a 90 day uh, um, frame, uh, time frame. I think it's, I think it's useful there and it's also useful or an annual, like what's the one thing, you know, it, you'll be a failure if you don't do this one thing next year. I think it works on the day level too, where you say, you know, look, the biggest, the biggest, best, most relief I'm going to get is if I do this big honking thing that I've been putting off, do that first before you check email or anything. Just too bad, everybody. I'm doing this thing. (laughs) Then check, like the worst thing you can do is check email first thing in the morning. Oh, I schedule that too. Smart. Yeah. I've got mine set up so it only comes in every two hours. So I can, uh, and you know what? I should set it. So the first one's at 11, I should, I'm going to do that actually set it. So the first email batch comes in at 11 instead of what I have now, which I think is nine. Yeah. That's something that I've heard over the years is smart to do to only check your email a few times a day. And I got to admit, like I'll, I'll use the excuse of saying, but my clients want to be in touch with me all the time, but I'm going to admit it. I'm just addicted to it where I've been for so, so many years now. I've always been checking my mail, checking my mail, and there's always new stuff in it. Oh, it's so interesting, and oh, I should respond. And I mean, I, I, I've seen a growing number of people I know and respect even putting in their email signatures. I only check email twice a day, three times a day. So if you don't get a response right away, you know, t- don't don't bug me, basically. And I can imagine that's a huge productivity help. At the same time, I feel like over the last week or so, I've been traveling, I've been working hard. And I have all this mail that's already built up, and that is with me reading and responding to mail. 
heaven help me if I like let it go for for a long time. Yeah, my my thing is though is that I find that probably what half of the email that I wind up sorting through is stuff that I could either put off or not read ever. So I just schedule a half hour and then um, I work through my inbox. I've got Sane Box plugged into this thing, so I work through my inbox and then I work through my Sane later. And uh, yeah, if it's something I can answer later, a lot of times I'll put it off. And if it's something that I need to answer specifically, then I'll put it in my calendar. And what that does is then I have, the, I know I have the time to answer the things that are important and the things that are, oh, well, that's good to know, you know, like the reports from the CI server for my projects or, uh, you know, the bug reports that I get from Honey Badger or some of these other things. You know, it's like, okay, I know that happened. I'll put it in, in Trello for the developer and then I'll, you know, I'll move along and that way I'm able to get through it. And so, yeah, I just have a half hour. If I don't get all the way through it, uh, odds are I can probably get through most of the rest of it the next day because it kind of comes and goes. So, so yeah, that's a half hour to just kind of sort through it. And then the important stuff will get a 15 or 30 minute appointment on my calendar if I need to reply to it. Yep. Yeah. That's pure GTD where you, you just open up your inbox. You start at the top. I use the arrow keys. I just arrow my way down anything that's that's kind of like what Chuck just described where it's like a server report or something like that. It's like it's not spam, but I don't need mm-hmm. to read it. And I just X, 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 X all the way down. And, you know, I'll open up my email. There'll be 75 emails in there. I'll go down. I'll, I'll X out the stuff that I can immediately archive. And now I'm down to 20. And then I'll go through and I'll spam anything or unsubscribe from anything that shouldn't be there, which is usually a couple. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be left with two kinds of email. One is leads for work, which is stuff that the only place I get it is email. And then there'll be stuff that's like correspondence from existing or past customers. And the same thing. It's like if I can immediately deal with it, like in less than a minute, I will fire off a reply. Yeah, that's and what I, I do too. Yep. Minute and if or I less. can't, yep. If I can't, I will create a to do for it and link to the email in my to do program so that when I get to my to do's, I'll say, okay, I have to, you know, respond to Bob. And there's a link right there. I click on it, it goes right to the Gmail message. And, you know, and then I could schedule into my calendar what, whatever, like do my to do. It's a to do. You don't want this gigantic list, whether it's in your to do's or your inbox, because reading the damn thing create it's like you have to it's like a a computer that has to set up all this memory like i have to allocate all this memory just to read the thing Mm -hmm. the list not even the individual messages so you need to you need to just like have a uh have a mode where you're in you're in triage mode i think he calls it where you triage this stuff immediately um and you only answer the things that you only act on the things that literally would take you less time to act on than it would to put them in your to-do list and you just throw everything else away or archive it really. Yep. And, uh, it's great. It's amazing. Like it allows me to go through, a, a, I get, I don't know how many emails I get over a hundred for sure every day. And the, and the, I should, I hasten to add that most of my client communication now is happening in Slack. So there's almost never anything urgent in my email, which I think is important to recognize. I don't have to look at my email every two seconds. Every time it beeps, I don't have to look at it because nothing urgent is going to be there. I've trained all of my customers, all of my colleagues. If you have something urgent, 
you've got a special channel, not your inbox, because any idiot on the internet can email you. So I'm not, I don't want anything urgent there because it's just going to be messed up with all this other junk. So we're in, with all of my clients, we're in some private channel that not any idiot can get in touch with me. And, uh, that's where the urgent communications happen. Yeah, that's very smart. That's very, very smart. And that, that changes things significantly. Cause if I know, like, why am I checking my email aside from addiction? Just um, in case, cause there might be an emergency. Right. Exactly, exactly. Cause you never know. And of course, then I have, uh, you know, what, let's say once every two or three days, there is that email that comes from someone where I have to deal with it right away. And I say, aha, you see, good thing I was checking it. But as you point out, if I, if I were, say, on Slack more regularly, and I said to them, use that channel for urgent communication, then that would work out much better. Right. And that will happen automatically if you start telling them that you only check your email once a day. Because they'll know it's a bad way to get a hold of you. Well, the other thing is, is will they legitimately know the difference if you answered it an hour later? That's another thing. How many times, uh, I can't tell you how many times an urgent, you know, all caps, urgent subject line has shown up and I didn't check it for two hours and, it, oh, magically fixed itself somehow, even though I didn't jump, <laughs> jump on it. It happens well, all the time. Or, or I reply to the client and I say, okay, I'm on it, you know, it's, it's after I've, you know, gone and picked up the kids from school and come home and played with them for a little while and then recorded a podcast and then I you check my email after that and they send it nine in the morning and... It's like, oh, okay. Well, I'm on it now. And they're like, great. You know, and it, if I had sent me the email at 10 a.m., they would have been great. And, you know, it doesn't, it didn't really impact their business. It didn't really impact our relationship. You know, I saw it within a reasonable amount of time to their thinking. And that just worked out. I mean, I, I rarely see anything that comes into my inbox that is, you know, drop everything. I got to fix this right away. Yeah. If you, if you really, stand step back that that's my exact finding that's my finding as well is that if you step back from it and you disconnect yourself from the reactionary fire putting out mode and you really just chill it's almost there is like no honestly no one should be sending you emails that are that urgent they should either text me slack me call mm -hmm. me it is not email is not the place for that and i used you know years ago i used to you know just sit in, with, in my inbox all day just waiting for stuff to come in. I'd just be triaging all day. I'd be doing whatever I was doing and triaging my email at the same time. And it's a recipe for disaster. I mean, not to make this an email show, but what we're talking about here is, is finding the time to achieve the, these goals that you, you mm -hmm. set these goals and like where are you magically going to find the time? Well, one of the places you're going to find the time is not hanging out in your inbox anymore. Because that is very, it, it's almost all very low value communications or stuff that you can put off to a time when, uh, you know, after the big thing you need to do for the day. So the other thing that I want to throw in there is that I have gotten, I think, one email where there was like a security issue on a server. So I really did have to drop everything and go fix it. And under those circumstances, I just, I, the first thing I do is go into my calendar and shove everything off a few hours and then go assess the situation because I know I'm at least going to spend an hour or so figuring the thing out. And then, and that way I, I given myself the space and I know that there's a plan for the other stuff later on. Yeah. I mean, I've got two other interesting email uh, approaches that have come across over the years. And Reuven, I think one of these will be especially hilarious to you. Uh, one is uh, yeah. to, to set up an autoresponder 
when you know you're going to be not, you know, you're going to be away from your inbox for whatever reason, whether you're traveling for business or not, you're just not going to be answering email. The autoresponder says something like, I received your email is automatically sent to archive. I'll be back on January 1st. If this is important, please resend your email after that date. Yay. <laughs> because I'm deleting everything in my inbox that came in over vacation. Cause that's not, vac- it's not vacation. If you come back to 7,500 emails <laughs> and another one, uh, I don't remember who I read that online somewhere. I don't think I know the person that, that, uh, came up with that one, but I also was at a conference recently and Alan branch from less accounting. He said, when somebody sends him a request, he just deletes it immediately. And if they really want it, they'll email him again. I love those emails. So quick question, six paragraphs delete. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll usually give them the, the courtesy of replying and going, this isn't a quick question and I don't know if I have time to reply. So if you can boil it down to the essential question and something I can answer in five minutes, you'll probably get a response. And I think I have that in text expander somewhere. Yeah. Our friend Kurt Elster would reply with a single line that says, you can book an hour with me on my clarity. <laughs> oh my God. Go yeah. Kurt. Um, no, that's bold, awesome. But true. Yeah, my 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 father and like you know, obviously this is a, a, a you know different sort of medium. My father said years ago that he had a colleague, running colleague, who never kept like the carbon copies, the actual physical carbon copies. That's what CC stands for, kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that still doesn't right. help. So, they have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Keep talking. Well, like, carbons. Is, anyway, anyway. So like, never kept the copies of any correspondence because he figured if it was really important, the other person would keep a copy. Nice. Well, it's, it reminds me of the, it reminds me of 37 signals where they, they, you know, they sit for years. They're like, we don't keep a, a new feature list. We don't need to because everybody, you know, the ones that are most important, we remember because everyone's constantly bugging us about them. So why keep this long tail of stuff one person requested six months ago? It kind of reminds me of a similar thing. It's like the actual urgent stuff bubbles back up. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Right. No, I definitely, it's, it's, it's interesting. I hadn't thought in terms of personal productivity over the coming year, but that's somewhere where I'm so bad that like, there's nowhere to go but up. And some of these ideas are, are very useful and good. Well, the thing is, is that, I mean, we're talking about productivity. We initially started out talking about goals, but the thing is, is un, unless, like if you set these goals and you never look at them again, they're not going to do you any good. And if you set these goals and you look at them periodically and you're not making a plan to achieve them, they're not going to do you any good. And so the execution is really the powerful part. You know, the inspiration you get from the goals and the, you know, being able to remember how it felt to think about these, you know, things. I mean, all year long next year, I'm going to be thinking about, yeah, I don't want to go down the road dad went down. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get into shape. You know, I don't want to deal with the the health issues that my grandpa went through. So I'm going to get into shape, you know, and, and get that determination and get that feeling back. But then it's going to be, okay, so I'm going to plan and I'm going to execute so that I can achieve this goal because it's important to me. But without the plan, without the execution, without knowing how I'm going to move ahead on this stuff, I just don't see how I can possibly succeed, especially on some of these goals that are a little bit harder to hit. Yeah, so it boils down to finding the time. Yep. And, you know, hence the email conversation, because email is the biggest time suck ever invented. 
Well, and I have never found time. Like walking down the sidewalk, it, people just don't drop it, leave, and leave it on the sidewalk. <laughs> I mean, if I if I want to quote unquote find time, I have got to go make room on my schedule. It's the only way that it happens, and and that's why I keep going back to the calendar because if I don't do that, it won't happen. Mm. Ditto. And think like think about it, dear freelancer. If you're listening to the show and you're thinking, oh, I, you know, eh, well, I don't really want to clutter up my calendar with all that stuff. It's like. Think about think about things you put in your calendar now, today, and they're probably mostly appointments with clients or that sort of thing, and you do them. You know they're coming, you prepare for them, you do them. I, I even put preparations in like the half hour before the meeting. So like, like I, I don't want to just jump into the meeting, so I'll put in like 30 minutes or 15 minutes of prep before a particular you know important client meeting or whatever. But if you think about the way your calendar works now, I'm assuming most people are more or less doing everything that's in their calendar. They just don't have enough stuff in their calendar. Like if you look at a week view and there's like, you know, a few hours blocked out here and there and the rest of it's going to be filled in with this sort of, uh, Oh, you know, sort of thinking like, Oh, I'll, I'll be doing billable work the rest of the time. You know, (laughs) it's like, okay, but when really, you know, so like if I look back when I did used to bill by the hour, I tracked my hours in my calendar. So instead of keeping a timesheet, I would go into, at the time it was iCal and I had all, you know, I knew I had all the keyboard commands memorized so I could just be like boom, 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 boom on the keyboard, create a new event, move it back to when I started, stretch it open to the point where, you know, the amount of time that I worked and, uh, and, and put in, you know, I would put in all caps billable and then I would say da, 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 da. And it'd be like the task that I did. And it, you know, this was before GitHub and all that. If it was, if this was at the time, I probably would have put in the commit, uh, you know, for, for whatever code that I wrote. And if you, it, it was ridiculous to look, you look back at my calendar and it was wall to wall events, like from Monday morning to Friday afternoon, it was wall to wall packed 100% full. And then you look at my next week, it'd be empty. There'd be like the weekly, weekly meeting on a Wednesday, empty, right? And to leave all of that, like, you know, you, you can't put in individual, like I did this in the future at this time, really, you know, if you're from an hours tracking standpoint, like, oh, I, you know, I optimized database indexes next Wednesday at three. I recognize that that's too specific, but to just leave that, that the future to that undefined compared to how defined your week actually is when you look back in your history it, it's absurd when you look at it like that, you know, you should at least block out like, okay, Tuesday is going to be a solid dev day. I'm not going to check email once. And I'm just going to set expectations. Everybody knows I don't check email on Tuesday or whatever it is. So you can get into the zone, do your dev. And, you know, maybe you break up that eight hours into, you know, like 16, 17, tw- you know, 20, 25 different commits or hours entries. If you're tracking hours, like a mental patient, <laughs> <laughs> If you do, okay, fine. Like, but at least block it out so that it gives you, a, it gives, it gives me a sense of confidence, predictability. It lets me know. And again, like I've got people scheduling stuff into my calendar. Like people, I give the general public permission to schedule things into my calendar. So if I had that old school, you know, one meeting on a Wednesday and the rest of the week was white, then I'd be dead. Like I would never get anything done. Because people would be taking up my hours and there'd be no, nothing blocked out for me. Yep. One other thing that I ran into in getting to this and getting to the place where I'm at now 
is that for a long time, I was like, well, I don't even have time to make a plan to manage my time. And that's just a vicious cycle. <laughs> if, if you're saying I don't have time to yeah. come up with something like this, we're talking to you. Right. So, you know, go in and yeah, just, I mean, take some time. One thing that I heard, I was listening to the eventual millionaire. I don't remember who it was that they were talking to, but they were specifically talking about delegating. And they said that it is worth spending 30 times the amount of time it takes you to do a task to teach somebody else to do it. Because even if you only do that task once a week, uh, from then for a year, you've saved 50 times that amount of time. So you get 20 X back. And so if you're doing something like this and you're working on the important high leverage stuff, you know, that 80, 20 stuff, you're working on that 20% that really matters. You're going to have it pay off. And so even if you're feeling like, I just don't have time to sit down and figure this out, just set out some guidelines kind of from what Jonathan and I and Reuven have been talking about and try and find a system and a routine that'll work for you so that you can just get a better handle on the way you spend your time. Because I guarantee you that it will pay off in dividends that you, you can't even imagine because then you are being deliberate and doing the things that really matter. Yeah, stuff like bookkeeping is a great example where people feel like they're saving a couple of bucks by having, by doing their own bookkeeping. That's just crazy. You know, just pay someone to do your bookkeeping. Um, I, I know people who pay people to go through their inbox. I've considered that. <laughs> I know someone if you're looking for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I have yeah, somebody. I, I, I just need to turn him on to it if I really want to. There you go. Bookkeeping is a great example because like, I know, I know that if I were to do it myself, I would do it more slowly and worse and cost myself way more money than is the case for someone else doing it for me. Yeah. It's false. So economy. right. Yeah. Applying that logic to other parts of my life is, is a good idea. Well, I, I want to point out that it, it depends a little bit on how long it takes, but even then, I mean, just to not have to worry about it and save yourself that time. Cause I mean, you're talking about I, a half I, hour a week or a couple hours a month, even, I mean, you teach somebody to do it or pay somebody that already knows how to do it and you've gained yourself 24 hours in a year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I bring I, – I um, have a drawer in my office, like a small drawer, but a drawer that's labeled accountant. And so all receipts, all statements, all anything that goes to the accountant goes in that drawer. And then at the end of one month or the beginning of the next, like you know, basically around the like first fifth of the month, I take the drawer, empty it into a plastic bag. And drop it off for the bookkeeper at my accountant's office. And if things like, you know, if she has questions, she asks me. And I'm convinced, like, I cannot believe how much time I used to spend even just like stapling it to a nice piece of paper to be nice and organized. <laughs> and now I just throw it in a bag and, you know, let her organize it. Yep. Um, and they have not raised my rates as a result. So. <laughs> exactly. All right. Anything else we should talk about with goals before we start heading to picks? They're good. <laughs> have them. <laughs> yeah. The other thing is, though, is make them specific. I mean, you know, you, you hear a lot about smart goals. I don't think we have time to go into it. But, you know, if you're if you're really hitting those things. So instead of I want to be a better dad, I mean, one of the things I have in there is that I'm going to spend 30 minutes with each of my children every week, one on one. And so that's something that I can measure. I know I have to do it every week and it's, it's specific and it gets me to the place where I want to be at. And so I have an actual plan instead of just a vague understanding of somewhere that I eventually want to sort of be at. It needs to be something. Oh, Chuck, I, I love that goal. It's it's really lovely. You know, I mean, if it's a Saturday morning and they want to watch a cartoon on my iPad <laughs> with me, I mean, fine. But you know, I'm going to do something that they get to pick that they want to do with me for a half hour. Very nice. 
And it's the same thing with these other goals, you know, so I'm, I'm working on these email campaigns. And so I know what I want to go into them. I know exactly how I want people to be able to subscribe to them. And I want to have them done by the end of the year. And so again, it's this, I know when I'm done and I know when I need to have it done. And I know what I need to accomplish in that time. Yeah. The longer term ones I found, you kind of have to make them a little more general, but then it's like, okay, well, how do I get there? You know, what, what are the measurements that really make sense there? Anyway, let's go ahead and do picks. Reuven, do you have some picks? I'm trying to think actually if I, I have a goal of better picks. Um, <laughs> so, so I don't really, I've just been traveling so much. You know what? You know, what? I'll, I'll do a very like, uh, uh, you know, current pick for where I am. Uh, so I'm currently in Beijing and I went out and had a hot pot, uh, last, last night with, um, members of the Beijing Linux users group. Definitely a lot of fun. I would say if you've never had it before, oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> this is like, I, I called my wife. I said, we must make this at home. This is really amazing and delicious. So, uh, not necessarily business related unless you want to bring your business associates to a hot pot place, but boy, oh boy, definitely worth trying. There's a hot and, pot uh, place out here in Provo and. It's fun. You just kind of order whatever the heck you want in it, and then, yeah, it's it's good stuff. Um, and and I was impressed. Like, you know, the pre- I had it, uh, I guess, a few years ago, and they had like a gas burner on the table in front of you. And I thought to myself, no way would this be legal outside of China to have like lots of tables with lots of gas burners going in front of them. And so the place I was at tonight is a little more, uh, or last night, it's hard to tell time anymore, but. Uh, had um, you know those magnetic induction stoves? Oh, cool! So the table, the table had that built in, so everyone had a little induction burner in front of them for the pot. Oh, cool! Anyway, I'll, I'll have uh, business related picks back next week. Can you get a hot pot induction burner table at IKEA? <laughs> yes, it's called Sven. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's called Sven, right? <laughs> All right, Jonathan, what are your picks? Uh, well, in the spirit of the episode, I'm going to pick two that I've probably picked before, but I think they are so relevant that I can't resist. So the first one is Inbox Pause, which is a plugin for Gmail. So it's Gmail only, unfortunately, that uh, does that thing that I said where it batches all of your email into it just pull, pull only, you know, it comes in and comes in and comes in. As it comes in, it puts it in this hidden folder. And every, you know, periodically, whenever you tell it to, it then moves all of that stuff into your inbox and marks it as unread. So the beauty of this is that no matter how many devices you have, it works everywhere. So, yeah, so you don't have to configure it on every sync, you know, you know, on your phone, on your watch, on your other phone, on your iPad, on your, you know, on your computer, on your other computer. It, it just on the server, it just moves everything immediately. It sets up a rule that moves everything into this other folder is marked on red and then it moves it out later. So it works globally and it's absolutely fantastic and life altering. And I highly recommend you use it and it's super expensive, $0. So it's free. So there's really no reason not to try it. And I think I might have to use that. It's killer. And in fact, I can, there are some days when, you know, it'd be the weekend maybe, or, Oh, Oh, I know what it was. I recently had to reissue a whole bunch of SSL certificates and I needed to get the confirmation emails immediately so that I could continue the process. So I unpaused my inbox and I forgot to repause it. And then later in the day, I was like, why do I feel so agitated? I'm like in the worst mood. And I realized it was because my email was coming in constantly. It affects my mood to the point where I noticed it. 
when it's turned off. You need to try this. Uh, the other thing I mentioned already is Calendly. There's some other ones like uh, Schedule 2 or something. Schedule once. Schedule once, yeah. I'm not a fan of Schedule once. It's not mobile friendly, and I'm, uh, or at least it wasn't the last time I saw it. Uh, Calendly is the same thing, though, if you're familiar with that. And uh, it's, I think, a, a little bit nicer looking if you care about that sort of thing. And since I'm sending it to customers, I do kind of care about that. Uh, it's not just a tool I'm using for myself. And what this allows you to do is set up a range of different kinds of appointments, you know, 15-minute appointment, an hour appointment, you know, different lengths uh, and different rules around each one. Like um, there needs to be at least 15 minutes free in your calendar before a two-hour meeting or whatever. And uh, it's, it's very easy to use, but it's also highly configurable. And you can you link it up to your Google Calendar or I believe there's Outlook support. I think those are the only two that are supported. And you just, uh, you can send, you know, somebody says, you know, that, that email dance that everybody does when they say, oh, you know, yeah, I'd love to talk, uh, suggest a few times. And then you, you look at your calendar and you suggest a few times and you send it back and I'm like, none of those are good. Uh, how about these? And then, you know, they have to look at their calendar and they send them things. It just like goes back and forth forever. So instead of that, I can say, well, we can, we can go back and forth over email or you can just click this link and pick a time in my calendar. And then there's no back and forth whatsoever. Uh, they can see your calendar to infinity so they can scroll forward far enough to find a time that works for them. And it just, uh, it just massively truncates that back and forth. And furthermore, you can have like a, almost like a thank you page or a confirmation page that's customizable. So, you know, for, like for people who apply to my coaching program, I just say, fill out this application. At the end of the application, it forwards them to the calendar link. They pick an hour long meeting in my calendar. And then after that, they're forwarded to a payment link if they want to make payment right then. So you can create this little chain of events. It's really, really nice, simple and powerful. Yeah. I use Calendly for the um, 15 minute calls that I do with listeners, freelancershow.com slash 15 minutes. If you're interested in that and yeah, it's Calendly and you get 15 minutes on my schedule when I haven't booked up my calendar. So you're usually not able to book within a week because I fill all the space around the appointments that were booked a week before. But yeah, plus one on that pick. Yeah, that's it for me. I've got a couple of picks here. One is BusyCal, which is my calendar uh, tool of choice. And I use that for that kind of stuff. I also use Basecamp to communicate with uh, Mandy and Gerald, who are my uh, VAs, for lack of a better term. Mandy is the producer of these shows. She does a terrific job. But uh, I communicate with her through uh, basically through Skype, and then I put tasks into Basecamp. And uh, that works out really nicely. And that's also kind of my attic, as Jonathan put it. So that's if I'm sitting down and just kind of making a list of things I need to do in order to achieve what I want to get done in 90 days, then I drop it all in there. And then as other stuff comes up, I'll either put it in there or put it in my calendar. And then I just move stuff into my calendar when I do my weekly planning. And sometimes I think of things when I'm doing that weekly planning that I didn't put into Basecamp, so it never winds up there. But anyway, so Basecamp, BusyCal, and of course, I'm going tonight to see Star Wars. So my life will be more awesome, I guess. A galaxy far, far away. Anyway, I'm super excited. So, so yeah, those are my picks. Oh, one other thing I wanted to bring up before we wrap up the show is that I am putting on Freelance Remote Conf. Yay! We we have uh, illustrious speakers such as Reuven and Jonathan and several others. I think the last person I confirmed was Brennan Dunn. He's going to be talking about pricing. Should be excellent. Uh, it's going to be at the end of February. I do have a call for proposals open if you want to speak. 
And that is at uh, freelanceremoteconf.com. Also, early bird tickets are available through part of January. I think it's like the 24th or something. So if you want to get 50% off, you can get them now or you can wait and you can pay me more money later. But uh, anyway, that's where you get the tickets as well as freelanceremoteconf.com. And I guess that's it. Catch y'all next week. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.